this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Uh, the van will pull out of here with a bunch of junior high and high school kids. Your junior high and high school kids are going to go to Texarkana. We're going to uh, sing um, and pray and listen to uh, a lesson with other junior high and high school kids from around the area. We'll leave at 5. It might be around 9 o'clock before we get back. Now, part of you is tensing up saying, oh, it's a little late for a school night. Then we just close your eyes and pretend it's a sporting event and you will be fine. <laughs> You'll live. Um, so that's, that'll happen. Encourage your kids to come to that. Um, kids, encourage your parents to bring them to that. I think it'll be a good time. A lot of times, the best, uh, best time we have is on the van ride over and on the van ride back. Your age. Uh, and no, no money. Are you saying I need to pay you money to bring them? Okay. All right. Well, someone just gave me one of these. Show me the money. She said. Uh, so I. Um, so it'll be a good time. Um, so please, please come for that. I, I, Nolan and I were hanging out yesterday. We went to this. Uh, we went to the park, and then we walked down, and they were having all the softball games. In the air. We just sort of, we sometimes see a lot of people and walk toward them to see if we know anything of them. And we knew a few, knew a couple, ran into some people, but uh, it got it really hit me with the sermon where I was going to preach today was that we're softball teams, or any sports team for that matter, have a tendency to know their goal. Right? They, they know what they're, they're trying to do. Ball comes into play, they're trying to get the ball to first base, get the player out. Coach sometimes yell, the play's at second. That means you, instead of throwing the ball first base, you need to throw the ball second base. There's, there's all different goals that they need to do, and a good team accomplishes those goals on a regular basis. Now, not they don't all accomplish them the same way. One kid throws sidearm, one kid throws overhand, one kid barely throws at all. We always know that kid. But there, there are. There's this large, um, there's this large group of people striving for one goal. I think the biggest mistake we make in our Christian walk, at least in our um, in the American Christian walk, is we think that first the number one goal is for me to be a good me. When the Bible actually comes at it from a different angle, the Bible's first goal for us, or first goal for Christianity, is for we to be a good we. And Scripture bears out that it believes that if we are a good we, then I will be a good me. But it's the participation in the larger group it's the, the understanding that there is a goal bigger than myself, which allows us to form ourselves in something that it wasn't, wasn't there before. Something that's better than it was before. It's a big movement. Nowadays, nowadays, man, I sound old when I say that. Um, Whippersnappers have a tendency to <laughs> say things like, uh, well, you know, I don't really go to a church, but I, you don't have to be a Christian to go to a church. 
Or you don't have to be, you don't have to, that's true. They, they say you don't have to go to church to be Christian. One of the things I always wonder about that is define Christian for me. Christianity, when you are a Christian, you are a person in a larger group of people all following Jesus. Christianity is, has always been, and always will be a team sport. It is when we get together that we are Christian. As the Bible said, whenever two or three of you are gathered together, there I will be also. There's a sense of, even Jesus says that the way you love God is to love others. There's this connection between in community that happens for Christians, and it's only in community. It's only in the midst of people that we can live out a Christian life. You can't live out a Christian life on your own doing as you please. You live out the Christian life within community and within the context of faith. And listen, you that may bother you. Because in our culture it is easy to say, well, I, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And sometimes what they mean is, I don't have to go to church every day or every week. And I get that. I mean, I get life is busy. But being a part of a church, having a larger goal, that's the Christian life. It actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense otherwise. So when Paul is saying out loud to the Philippian church from a prison in Rome, when he says to the Philippian church, listen, I want you to live worthy of the gospel. Live, as actually, if you have an old NIV, you probably, probably says live. But it, um, it's not a great translation. It actually says, um, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner Worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now remember last week we talked about we are dual citizens. Uh, I am a citizen of earth. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. I, I live, these people live in Philippi. They are also following um, Jesus. And they were giving to Caesar what was Caesar's. And they were giving to Jesus what was Jesus. And but we're supposed to let our citizenship in heaven, or our citizenship in the kingdom of God, affect our earthly life. And this is actually exactly what Paul says here. The Greek here actually would be better translated, um, live out your citizenship, or live in the city, live out your citizenship in a worthy manner. So what's translated, conduct yourself here, conduct yourself in a worthy manner, or live out your citizenship in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, even in that sentence, that sentence right there, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, what's the gospel of Christ? Because if the gospel of Jesus is, uh, well, I, Jesus died on the cross, and therefore I get my sins forgiven. I get a little ticket that keeps me out of one place and gets me into another much better place. 
If that's the end story of the gospel, it's great, but that is not the end of it. Every time in Paul that you find Jesus, or find Paul talking about what Jesus did for us, this saint, he, he, he forgave us of our sins, he redeemed us, he saved us, the next question is always, well, what for? It's at that point that Paul always goes on to talk about how there, was, there used to be just the Jews, and then the Gentiles were in. But now, they have been united in Christ. What Jesus came to do was not just make a group of people with the, have their sins forgiven. He came to bring a bunch of different types of groups of people, all who have had their sins forgiven, together as a community. Paul twice calls this the mystery. As if to say, and the, the word there is probably, I mean, it's musterion, so it's naturally to say, well, it's mystery, but it's actually like, it, it's like a surprise. It's something that's shocking. If you, if you had a party for a friend who didn't know that you were having a party for them all day long, that friend had thought that you had forgotten their birthday, and they come home, and you hidden the cards behind that, and they walk in the door, and you flip on the lights, and you're all koine, Greek-speaking people. You all, you all jump out and say, Mosterion! Like, you all say, it's a, it's a shock. How did God do this? Why was God, this was God's plan all along. Paul is surprised by this new community that has been made. And it bears itself out in the language. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves, conduct your group in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, if you jump over to, to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll get there in a couple of years. This will be done by the end of June, I believe. We, we get the, if you jump over to Philippians chapter 4... We get a hint at the reason this letter was written in the first place. He says, I plead with you, Euodia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to, to treat one another better, to work together, to get along. There were two people that were fighting, and they were sort of dividing the church. Because when you're fighting as an immature human being, what you do is not go to the person that you need to fight with. What you do is go to other people and get them on your side. Because a biased observer who has only heard one side of the story is always a benefit to your team. You'll go to them and you'll say, did you hear what Sintiki said? And they say, Sinta who? And they say, she says, Sintiki. You know what she's doing? You know what they, she thinks we should do? Well, no, right. Well, she thinks this, and I think that's an awful idea, and here's mine. You know what? I think your idea is right. Oh, good. I've got my own team member. And now, no longer are we a team who are who's striving for the right goal of following Jesus of Nazareth and bringing King Heaven's kingdom to the earthly kingdom. No longer are we going about the business of God with the business of self. And our goals have shifted from following Jesus to winning an argument. The problem with a lot of our communities is we don't have clear goals about what we're trying to accomplish. I can tell you this. 
telling, the, telling one person on my side of the pew that the person over there on the other side of the pew isn't correct or is in the wrong is silly. And it's not our goal. So when he starts his letter, when, he's, when he starts addressing them, up until now he's only talked about his, cir his circumstances. And how his circumstances are going to turn out. And then he turns and points at the Philippian people. And he says. But here's what I have for you. Conduct yourselves. In a manner. Or live out your citizenship. In a way. That is worthy. Of the gospel of Christ. And now we would ask. Well, what is that? Typically. Churches would argue, well, do, your, do correct thinking. And don't do incorrect drinking. You are dismissed. That's it. Right? I mean, it pulls it down. And we, we say, think the right things and don't do the wrong things. But what does he say as he expounds on this even further? Then, whenever I, whenever I come and see you, since you are living out your citizenship in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, then, whenever I, whether I come and see you, or we hear about you, both of these are plural, so they should be y'all. When I come and see y'all, or hear about y'all in my absence, I will know that y'all stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Notice here, he kind of sets up a flag and says, remember, people oppose you. There, there is a real opposition. And most of the time, 99% of the time, it's not the person in the pew. There is a real opposition that is worth fighting. There is, a, there is real pain and suffering and harm in the world. And it's worth our effort. But fighting each other is not. <coughs> he says, there's a real opposition. And this is a sign. Your unity. Your, go, 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 we'll go back a slide. Look at the, when he says, uh, I will know that you stand firm. You're standing firm in the one spirit. You're striving together um, as one for the faith of the gospel. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that and that is by God. The sign to the world that that we will be redeemed is not our correct doctrine, but our community. church, that we come together and we see that there is a bigger goal than just ourselves, just what we want, just what we are hoping for, that we gather together and, and, and look and sound and act differently, we think differently, we have different ideas about how things should be done. If your church makes all the decisions that you think it should make, 
You probably have too much power and should back off a little. In community, in family, in marriage, there is moments when you have to give up of yourself. Pause. Spouses. If I just said that, and your first thought was, yeah, my spouse does need me to love with themselves, you're the problem. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes truths are hard, and we need to pause the sermon to talk about this is this the beauty of the kingdom of God. Not that we have a bunch of people who get it all right all the time. But that we have a bunch of people who get together even though we don't get it right all the time. We have this community, this connection of, of, of Christ following believers who are all heading in the same direction but it may be from different starting points. What a beautiful thing. The message to the world is not, well, I act proper, so you should follow Jesus like I do. Well, that's helpful, yes. Don't be a nincompoop. I didn't say, I said nincompoop. That's one word. Don't be a dork. A jerk. Don't have a quick fuse at Walmart. Be okay, I had a nerve, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't listen. Yes! Be on your best behavior. Follow Jesus in your personal life. But the first thing that comes, the thing that the thing that is most beautiful to the world is a group of people who can get along. Sometimes I have to go on uh, these things on the internet called forums. Have you heard of these? Awful, horrific places. But sometimes I write, I, I do websites. Like I'm doing a website for a real estate company in uh, uh, Queen right now. And every once in a while I'll get a piece of code wrong. And I'm just stuck. So I'll go to this, I'll go to the support forum for this particular type of coding, and I'll, I'll, I'll search. What I'm looking for. What did I do wrong here? Maybe I'll ask somebody. And you would think in these sorts of places where their, their main goal is to code websites properly. They are so mean to each other. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. Like they'll say, you'll say, hey, well, what, um, what, here's the piece of code I did. Um, what's wrong with it? It doesn't seem to be working. And, like the first guy will be like, Well, you don't know that, you don't need to be acting. I didn't, I didn't need a lecture. I just needed an answer. Communities don't work very well together. Communities are hard. Especially if they're made up of a bunch of different people. Can you imagine the plaque I would get if I went into a don't even know if these exist, a baking forum, and asked about website code. Oh, man. That wouldn't work at all. You're not even speaking my language. That's actually true. The 
fact that we are here together and getting along is a wonderful thing. And it's not just because we are um, good people. It's because we are united by Jesus. And if we are to live out our citizenship in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, it looks like us standing side by side, standing up for one faith. The faith and the belief that Jesus of Nazareth is alive. So we stand on that and we stand on that together. Good community is one that stands, has all its arguments, although we're going to have arguments, right? All of its disagreements in front of the throne of the resurrected king. That we stand together. That's not just good advice for a church. That if a church isn't doing that, it's not conducting itself in a manner worthy of the gospel, you will have to give up something to work in a community of faith. I will have to give up something to work in a community of faith. I'm going to have to be less comfortable than I want to be. I'm going to have to get my way less often than I want. Paul, here you notice, isn't even siding with somebody. says you need to stand together. Y'all need to stand together striving for one thing. Standing on one thing. And a lot of churches, and our church can do this too, we can pick some pretty flimsy things to stand on. And some pretty worthless things to strive for. <coughs> the greatest things strive for, the greatest thing to stand on is the thing that can actually unite us as a group of people. The resurrected King Jesus Messiah. Sometimes you think, I don't, I'm not quite the person, I'm not the type of person who goes to church. We've got visitors here today, maybe you're thinking, I'm not the type of person who goes to church. Yeah. Um, great. We, we need more of you. We need more people who aren't like church people. Because church people can... We have a reputation of uh, sometimes. And some of you non-church people, you know what church people's reputations are. We need you to stand with us. Even though you're not like us and I'm not like you and you're not like me. We're not saying one's better and one's worse. It's different. People are different. The reason we think it's important that you guys stand alongside of us is because that's the only way you can live out this gospel. He goes on to say, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but to also suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had 
And now here that I still have. Now Paul's struggle was that he's in prison. Their Philippians struggle was that they were actually being persecuted. Our struggle is that we're not getting our way sometimes. That's not what I would have done. One of my favorite stories is from uh, uh, someone who's become an acquaintance, sort of a friend of mine, his name's Patrick Lee. Um, we're internet friends. We think each other, we think we're funny. And, uh, he, but he was telling a story one time of a, of a woman who came up to him before a gospel meeting. She was wanting to get her words in before he started speaking. And she said, you really need to speak to this church. They need to sing the sorts of songs that God likes. <laughs> and Patrick uh, is Scottish. So everything he says sounds better than what I say. He sounds very, like, he sounds like he's skipping. He says, so, now what, what songs are those? And she, she listed some of those songs, the songs God likes. And he says, is that, I'm just taking a guess here, but are those the songs you like? And she said, well, yeah. Well, isn't that convenient for you? <laughs> and she, as he tells the story, she, without sensing any of the irony in what just happened, said, well, yes, it is, and walked off. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're going to have to suffer for Christ and for you, thank the Lord, it's not all that much. You won't suffer much, you won't suffer like these guys. You won't be thrown in prison for Jesus. You're not going to be, and don't let anybody tell you just that, well, you might be afraid, you need to be afraid because it's coming, you might. Okay, good night. But don't confuse the two that you might get thrown in prison for being a Christian with the, with the nonsense command of be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear is the opposite. Don't be afraid of that mess. We are called to live out this life together. And that takes some commitment from us to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in some things. And well, what are we going to do? Well, it's Wednesday. We need people to cook. Come on. Come cook. We, need, we, we, we can use you in so many ways. Have you ever thought, you know what this church needs to do? Do that. Just do it. fail and learn together in our ministries and the things that we are committed to and we fail and learn and forgive together because Jesus united us first. That's why we're together in the first place. So a couple of things about joining. If you want to join with Jesus, today is the day to unite with Him in death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. If you want to join with us, 
today's the day to say, I am. My goal are y'all's goal. I want to follow Jesus with a community of people. We will celebrate both joining with everything we have. Because the beauty of diff different people living together, worshiping together, serving together because of the gospel of Jesus is something the world will never be able to deny. I'd actually argue that the biggest thing the world has on us is that we argue more than just about it. As Christians, bickering and yang yang. Yang yang? I don't know, that's Japanese for arguing. But it's. Could be. You don't know. <laughs> but this back and forth nonsense. Let's get together. Let's, let's be united. That's not about imposing my will on someone else, it's backing off my will. Letting other people enter into the conversation. That's a beautiful thing. That's what we hope for. That's what, if you want to be a part of this church, that's what we're going to hope for with you. You want to follow, commit your life to Jesus, and that's what Jesus did for you. Jesus gave up of himself so that you could have something like this. You're saved. By that act, and we will save the world by doing this. If you need anything this morning, please come forward.